It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down I was born. Hey, uh, all right, so we're back on American Loser. Like we said, guys, we are here. Uh, again, we're at an undisclosed location somewhere in New Jersey. An undisclosed location in Eatontown, New Jersey. It's a <laughs> we're definitely not at the studio. Um, no, definitely not. But uh, anyhow, we got uh, uh, Kahuna using his magic technology, is able to make a phone call for us. Uh, and we have a certain gentleman on the line from, uh, let's just say he's in South Beach right now. Um, Lawrence Patrick, how are you? <laughs> Hey, we're doing good. We're doing good here in uh, sunny South Beach, I guess. We'll, 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 the code name South Beach. How's that? Code name South Beach. I like it. So, uh, real quick, it's a nice day in Jersey today. What is the weather down there? Uh, it's sunny. Um, pretty nice in, in the 80s. So, we had been going through some uh, real high uh, temperatures and humidity, but it's a pretty nice day today. I hear you, man. Well, it's uh, it's a good day in Jersey, so we're going to wrap this up uh, shortly so that uh, both Kahuna and I can go uh, get our tan action on um, with what's left in the There you go. But that being said, sir, we went ahead and uh, we just did a real good episode on Nathan Hale. You confirmed it in a, a, our, our brief as we were getting the call set up uh, that Nathan Hale's body is just somewhere in Manhattan. No one has any fucking clue. Yeah, I think the estimates were that he was hung on uh, 66th Street and 3rd Avenue, and then the body was buried somewhere nearby. So it'd be um, weird if they, they exactly sure where yeah, it would be weird if they took it somewhere else to bury. You know, that's a lot of work. But um, yeah, I mean, this this guy was treated as a. Uh-oh, did we lose you? Uh-oh. Larry. That's on his end. Let's see. You know what? That was I. Did, I pressed nothing, but we but we muted there momentarily. The phone <laughs> oh. did that on its own. Okay, I'll cut that. All part good, man. Out. Um, well, thank you, Coons. Um But yeah, like you were saying, Dad, I, I I don't mean to to speak for you on this, but I believe what you were saying was Nathan Hale, as we covered on the episode, not treated with uh, the dignity of a soldier's death. So. No, but that was that was uh, typical treatment for anybody that was judged the spy. Right. Which is one of the reasons why he didn't even have to undergo a trial. I mean, if you were found uh, uh, or caught as a spy, you were immediately executed. So he didn't have the uh, the uh, just he didn't get his just due with any kind of a trial or anything. But um, I don't know. Did you guys get into the whole episode? I mean, when he was found out that he thought that he was going to be real smart and right. Um, whatever notes and stuff that he had in Latin, thinking that the common man was not going to be able to read Latin. But anybody who had gone to school during those times probably studied Latin. So <laughs> that secret code of writing in Latin was quickly figured out. It's uh, We were making fun of it, too, because it's like the classic thing with the Ivy League guys where they, they can't wait to tell you where they went to school. 
And it's like, uh, right. I'm undercover, but I also went to Yale. So. <laughs> You're right. Oh, Those you, were right. his last words. I went to Yale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the whole story with him is such a tragedy that we try to make a little um, levity out of it. Uh, that um, Kahuna had a very funny idea that for the casting couch for him, it would be Dana Carvey mm-hmm. playing Nathan Hale. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah that would work. <laughs> Uh, just picture him trying to pretend to be a Dutch school teacher with his clogs on and everything. But Am I not turtly enough for the turtle club? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, hey, um, we did mention, and we, we led into the episode, that you were going to talk about the Culper ring a little bit here. So I, I do want to throw to you for that, because that was Benjamin Talmadge, uh, or Talmadge, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Um, that was his kind of claim to fame. So, real quickly, what was the Culper ring, Dad? All right, well, Benjamin Talmadge was a uh, classmate of Nathan Hale. He was also a Yale, and um, uh, George Washington had come to Talmadge, who was one of his better military officers, to help him uh, help Washington set up aspiring because, uh, you know, Washington's trying to put together an army that was non-existent. It's just a bunch of, uh, you know, colonial militias and stuff that uh, really didn't have an They're going against one of the greatest fighting forces that the world had known at that point, which was, uh, you know, the British Army and and Navy. Um, so anyhow, Talmadge is, sets up this uh, culper ring, and he actually does it with people that he knew that, you know, part of the problem with, uh, with Nathan Hale is that he had no cover. Um, you know, he, he's taken out of the, the military and volunteers for this spy mission in, uh, in New York, in Long Island. And, uh, you know, the, the rest of his, there was no cover story with the rest of his regiments. So the troops, <laughs> the troops that were left behind, if you will, as he goes secretly into uh, Long Island, uh, they didn't have any kind of a cover story. They just, hey, yeah, he's gone. He's missing. And then he, oh, that's right. He volunteered for that spy thing. So, you know, they, they're learning as they're going here that uh, maybe we better have a better cover. And the fewer people that know that uh, this aspiring is being set up, the better. It reminds so me Tom of uh, the, the last episode of uh, of Wings when they uh, with Lowell, I should say, before Lowell left. Um, he right. witnesses a mob hit. And uh, they, they enter him into uh, the witness relocation program. And he's standing okay. at the airport, and the two government agents are behind him. And he goes, guys, I'm going to miss you. I, I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know where I'm going to wind up. And one of the agents comes up to him and whispers in his ear, you know, just quietly. And then all of a sudden, Lowell just goes, whew, Maui? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, there you go. Not really a nice. great, uh, not a whole lot of secrets. And I, I mentioned that article, too, that you sent me about uh, the, the, the nine... Um, the seven or the nine, uh, you know, basic instincts of spying that uh, Nathan Hale ignored. Right, right. As I said, they're learning as they're going here. But now, Tomage is put in charge of this uh, newly formed um, spy ring, if you will, in 1778. Nathan Hale met his demise in 1776. So they're they're still desperately needing whatever military. Uh, Intel they can gather. Um, Tomage knows some um, some friends that uh, he had actually served with uh, previous uh, in um, Long Island. Um, so he's recruiting people that he could absolutely trust 
And one of one of these people is a, a boyhood uh, friend of his, a farmer in Long Island by the name of uh, Abraham, uh, Abraham Woodhull. Um, and there's also another guy who um, plies the waters, works the waters of uh, Long Island Sound, a guy by the name of Caleb Brewster. Um, so he's on the uh, the Downeaster um, Alexa, is that correct? Say that again. I'm sorry, you didn't. You are fading out. <laughs> this sucks. Um, he was on the Downeaster Alexa. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Later, later to be sung about by uh, Billy Joel, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyhow, um, these these two guys along with some others um, uh, are, are gathering up whatever military information they can find. Um, there's other people that come into, into this whole thing. Um, now it's a very, very close knit uh, organization and it was credited as being one of the most successful spy rings in all of the revolutionary war, both, uh, both on the American side or the British side that there was nobody more, successful in the amount of information that they gathered in this culper uh, spy ring. Um, it was pretty neat in that um, Woodhull would, uh, Woodhull would gather up information and then pass it to somebody else, uh, would pass it to Brewster, who would take it, Brewster would then take it across Long Island Sound onto Connecticut and deliver it to Talmadge, who was their chief operating officer, if you will, and then Talmadge would pass it on to um, George Washington. So there was very few people that knew uh, what was actually going on there. And there were some other folks that were on the fringes, but I don't think anybody really had a clear sense of how this stuff was being passed one to the next. Um, there was a, a tavern keeper uh, in uh, Setucket, which is in Long Island, where a lot of this uh, was going on. Uh, um, Culpepper would, uh, Culper, uh, would be, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Woodhall took on a, an alias. Then he was traveling around New York city under the pretenses of gathering supplies and that kind of stuff. But he was also taking mental notes. Um, this Culper spy ring was one of the first to use invisible ink. So, uh, notes could be written with this invisible ink and, you know, very few people knew, uh, the whole technology of how to make that invisible ink reappear. So the messages could be passed back and forth. Now, see, um, that part is really, really cool because, um, this is like the start of almost, we've been comparing Nathan Hale to James Bond the whole episode, you know, and it's not really a fair or even favorable comparison in a lot of ways, but, uh, it is cool because we were mocking the idea that, uh, if Q had to, you know, he, you know he's uh, agent uh, agent Hale. I can either give you a, a car with shooting rockets, or you can get your diploma from Yale. And he, uh, you know. yeah. But yeah. there there is right. some cool spy shit going on here with like cipher rings and uh, you know ink and symbols and you know uh, uh, sophisticated uh, you know espionage. Man, it's not it's not a simpleton's yeah. uh, time frame for it. Hale just wasn't really great at it. Yeah, and he was—he was one of the first to uh, to go, if you will. And again, there—I think at this point now, two years later, they're experiencing, uh, or they've—they've they've learned from their previous mistakes. They're giving these these guys covers. Um, they're going by aliases. 
they're being able to relay the information with stuff other than, uh, you know, writing it in Latin, which <laughs> any, anybody that's been to school has already studied Latin. So, and, and they're using, uh, you know, whatever the latest technology might be with this invisible ink, which was, you know, like one of the first times that they've ever used that kind of stuff. So it's all pretty cool. And then actually sending messages, it's not being handed off directly from one person to the other. They're, they're using drop sites so that there was um, uh, a Setucket woman who happened to be a, a, a neighbor of Woodhall's and Anna Smith Strong. Now, her husband was uh, arrested as a local uh, patriot. And, he, and here's a, <laughs> a very far-reaching Jersey connection, but um, this woman's husband is imprisoned and he's put aboard the British prison ship, His Majesty's Sip, Jersey. <laughs> but the Jersey was just that a prison ship that there was unbelievable uh, uh, a death toll There's of the a, prisoners a within that ship. I mean, it was it was the bowels of hell that smallpox was running rampant wow. through the thing and everything else. But anyhow, she is able to send messages that you know, there's a pickup of information at the particular drop by hanging out her laundry by a coded, a coded uh, laundry line, if you will, that uh, if there's something hanging out on the laundry that um, uh, the next pickup would see that and then go to the predetermined spot to pick up this information and then transport it. So it was never a one-to-one one -one kind of a thing. It was always an uh, intermediary to carry the uh, information along, but nobody knew the full chain. So uh, it'd be very difficult to crack that. Um, so they, they did, they did a remarkable amount of work. One of their, or two of their big major achievements. One was, uh, when the French finally came in and allied themselves, um, with the American cause, uh, that French fleet initially went to, uh, Newport, Rhode Island and, um, this Culper ring found out that the British were planning on taking some of the ships out of New York and kind of bottling them up in, uh, in Rhode Island and wipe out that whole, um, French, uh, force before it even got started. Um, word of that, um, impending British movement, um, was smuggled out of New York through the Culper ring got to Washington and then Washington maneuvered troops uh, in and around New York to uh, kind of faint a, a threat to the British forces in New York so that they called off that, that whole uh, excursion or expedition up to uh, Newport, Rhode Island. It pretty much saved the French fleet before they even got going. So that was one major coup for the Culper ring. The other one was, uh, they were credited with uncovering information that led to a uh, to the treasonous uh, uh, correspondence that uh, with Benedict Arnold Loser and uh, John Andre, and I think we wow. briefly covered that in a previous uh, Loserception there with uh, Benedict Arnold when he was trying to give away the plans of uh, West Point, um, and they were they were very much involved with. Uh, uncovering uh, that whole uh, 
uh, espionage on the on the British side. John Andre, being the chief intelligence officer for uh, Henry Clinton um, at that point, in you know for the British in New York. And uh, Bang so, and yeah, Peggy pretty cool, them, right? depending on who you talk to. Say again. And banging Peggy Shippen, depending on who you're talking to. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you would think that uh, Benny had a little bit of that, too, but uh, he was uh, he was second to go on that one. He took seconds. <laughs> um, yeah, but Nathan Hale, he was a, he was a pretty cool guy. Unfortunately, he was just a little naive in the, in the world of uh, espionage. And, uh, you know, the penalties back then weren't. Um, Warn anything to be uh, argued about, take you out and hang you. So KP really um, put it elegantly it, earlier in the episode. Actually, he was like, "He's got the smarts, but you know, he didn't have the street smarts," which is one hundred and ten percent accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I thought it was cool too. I, I don't know if you guys got into this, but um, when Nathan Hale was found out, it was by uh, another uh, colonial. Um, uh, Robert Rogers. I don't know if you did. You get into him at all? We did. I also mentioned that uh, you have you and I both agreed on my car ride over here when I called you that uh, he is worthy of an episode himself for sure. Yeah, yeah, because he's got uh, he's, there's two sides to that coin as well, man. Um, um, you know, pre American Revolution, you might think of him as as a hero, and then um, during the American Revolution, not, not so much, but. Uh, yeah, he he was the polar opposite of of Nathan Hale. That uh, he he was a little cunning, conniving, uh, in for himself kind of a thing. That whatever was going to um, put him forward. Um, Robert Rogers was all about that. But um, yeah, he's he's definitely worthy of another uh, episode uh, of American Loser with uh, Major Robert Rogers. Um, did you guys get into uh, uh, Knowlton's Rangers and, and Thomas Knowlton at all? Oh, yeah. Dove head first in on him. He was, uh, I won't lie to you, uh, when people are listening, I think what we're going to do, Kahuna, too, by the way, is we'll release this call as like a second episode. Okay. Like a, like a bonus episode. Because we, we did a pretty good job of covering Knowlton's Rangers and kind of breaking them down and how cool they were and uh, the action that they saw in the you know battles uh, during the New York campaign. So... Pretty intense shit with all that, man. But it was, uh, it was really right. cool. Just the 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 Talmadge thing, because I, I, the way we broke the story down, it's uh, Hale winds up getting into espionage, but Talmadge was pretty much knee deep in espionage since day one, right? Uh, yeah, he was he was early on, but he was officially appointed, I think, in uh, 1778. Um, and he was a. Uh, uh, a Yale graduate in 73. So again, he was a relatively young guy when all of this was going on. So, and I think that was pretty neat with Hale too. I mean, he was what, 21 when, uh, when they stretched his neck. Yeah. You um, hope he was able to have a legal beer or two before they got him. Yeah, they were, they were, uh, things were happening fast and furious, uh, in, between 1775 and the time of his death, which was what September of uh, 1776. So, you know, you graduate Yale, you take on a job as a teacher, uh, you get married, there's the Battle of Bunker Hill, and, uh, you know, things are, people are shooting at one another, and 
the whole, all the colonies are now pretty much divided be, between um, pro-independence and uh, the Tories, which were, you know, let's just stay with Britain. We are British subjects after all. But uh, anyhow, very, very cool times. It, it definitely would have been weird because um, you're talking about thirds of the population too. A third of the population is relatively loyalist. A third is pro, uh, you know, independence. And a third is just like I'm not getting involved here, you know. Yeah, just leave me alone and let me let me work the farm, or you know, leave my family alone. Yeah, to to quote Norm Macdonald, "Got to get home to feed them hogs." <laughs> yeah, there you go, there you go. You know, and then people out on the frontier too. I mean, they were they had enough fight of, of their own, just trying to deal with survival and. Uh, um, trying to protect themselves from various uh, Native American raids, Indian raids. So One of the, yeah, uh, was, one uh, of the early British crown moves, too, because we, we went through a couple of the, the major acts that uh, King George put forth that uh, pissed off the, the colonists, and one of them was actually um, that he ordered everyone west of the Ap- uh, Appalachians to come back east of the Appalachians to ease tensions with the natives. So right. uh, imagine you're out there risking your neck, trying to build your, your new world or get your, you know, to, to get your opportunity here. And then the king's telling you, uh, a king in another country, by the way, keep that in mind. And I also, yeah, an ocean away. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. A little bit of a, uh, a, a good mind, uh, explosion moment for Kahuna too. When I, uh, cause everyone knows this, but you never really think about it. No, you're pledging allegiance to a, a king, a, in another country that's also never set foot on your soil. Right. That is, I mean, that, that, that's an intense thing to think about, man. How, how the hell are you going to rule a place you've never been to, you don't know anything about them? It's, uh, it, it comes down to that, uh, you know, the, the, the best argument for every country is always going to be home rule. That still blows my mind. I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still surprised that that's something I never learned. It's <laughs> cool. Yeah, and you're asked to pledge allegiance to the king, and yet you're treated um, as a second-class citizen. So it's not even like they well, we're British subjects, so of course we're going to pledge up our allegiance to the to the King of England. But uh, at the same time, they weren't given the same uh, rights and privileges, if you will, um, that somebody who was born in England. If you were outside of England, you were a second-class citizen at best, <laughs> and it only got worse from there. So, yeah, it was. Uh, it was a little different, uh, different time, constri- different uh, era for sure, um, with our allegiance. But you know, um, there's all kinds of international play here too going on. So that France is kind of watching to see what happens in the in the British colonies, the American colonies, um, as to when they might step in or step out, because France and England have been in war for forever, and then France is. Uh, allied with Spain, so it's really Britain taking on both France and Spain, and at the same time, their own people in the colonies are are getting a little, little rebellious, getting a little frisky. Which is one of the reasons why there was such a huge um, military force that was sent into New York in the first place. Which you know Nathan Hale was trying to find out some information that 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 force that was sent um, into New York was huge. I mean, 
Um, I forget, I think there was like 15 ships on the line. Well, that's like sending in 15 battleships into this little spit of a colony town called New York, which was only about 40,000 people at that time. But if you, if you captured New York, if you controlled New York, you were really going to control one of the major, um, centers of the colonies. And then later on, we saw with, uh, Benedict Arnold and everything else, when the British sent troops down out of Canada, down the, well, their intention was to come down the Hudson River. If you could control the entire length of the Hudson River, you were going to effectively split the colonies in two. So, um, you know, that show of force that they brought into New York was to be a shock and awe kind of a thing that like, holy shit, there's no way we're going to be able to uh, overcome. I mean, the, the battle or the, the uh, campaign of New York, Washington was outnumbered at least two to one. And that's going against a regular army as compared to, uh, you know, a bunch of militias, you know, um, shopkeepers and farmers and stuff. Um, you know, going back to uh, Knowlton, when uh, he was a Connecticut guy, and when Knowlton originally gathered up 200 uh, Connecticut militia and went up to um, Boston to help with Washington out with the uh, siege of Boston, most of those guys weren't even armed with rifles. They were, they went up there with shotguns. <laughs> you know, if you're in a you're in a shooting war. Uh, a shotgun might not be the weapon of choice if the other guy's shooting you shooting at you with a long rifle. So, um, it's uh, you know it it took a set of uh, colonies there to uh, to step up on that and say you know no we're not having that we're going to be uh, we're going to start our start our own country. That was uh, that wasn't anything that everybody was rallying around the flag was. But yeah, that was. Uh, Pretty cool times. Nathan Hale definitely stepped up. I feel only, bad. The only problem was he wasn't uh, fully trained for what he stepped up for. That's uh, that that again. He his thing is he got very useful because he was able to. What he became was a symbol, so that was bigger than the you know anything else. Because that is the ultimate sacrifice, man. He went ahead and did it. It's uh, he's it, we, we ripped on him a little bit, you know, just to tease him for the show and everything. But again, that is an American hero. There's no denying that part. And uh, you know, I haven't brought it up in a minute just because it, we haven't had the, the the scale of loserdom in a re, in a real long time. But like, he's someone I rank low, 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 like the, like the state electrician low, like like <laughs> like, like truthfully, <laughs> truthfully and honestly, right. just because it's like, yeah, what he did was a bit of a goof up, but at the end of the day, he was an actual American hero. I mean, yeah, in the end, there was a little bit of a loser, but come on. like It stinks, because if you made an action figure out of him, his play set would just be the gallows. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you giving me I just had a my flash- dark humor? <laughs> what were you saying, LP? Yeah, I just had a flashback of uh, growing up with the, the Fort Apache uh, set. You were playing with your army soldiers and setting up Fort Apache and everything else, but... Uh, yeah, I'm going to set up my Nathan Hale play set. And, well, the first thing you're going to do is assemble the gallows. <laughs> oh, Kev. Oh, shit. Hey, uh, I'll tell you what. It's a nice day, so I want to get back out and enjoy a little bit of it here. And I know uh, Kahuna gave us the overtime here, uh, as he always does, because he's just a good good dude. So I'm going to release this phone call as our uh, uh, our bonus episode to this one, kind of like the Lizzie Borden one when we had uh, my buddy uh, D. Domenico call up. 
Oh, right. So right. we'll do that as the bonus part of the episode here, because the fans miss you. All right? It's, it doesn't feel right doing the show without you. I miss you, Dad. I miss you as my dad. I miss you as my co-host, you know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're well, getting good. a little, uh, <laughs> a little <laughs> boredom is deeply set in down here, too. I'm anxious to get back and start kicking some ass on some losers that are far more deeper losers than uh, Nathan Hale. But uh, I thought it was a nice episode to uh, bring out to raise raise the awareness of uh, what that guy actually stepped up for. Oh, yeah. People know the quote because it'll be on every high school history exam. Who said this? And they, they know him and then they know Patrick uh, Henry, but they don't know the, the backstories on him. So that, that's where loserdom comes in for me. And then obviously a couple of his miscalculations. Now, Larry, do you happen to know if like they kept using this the term uh state hero ever again because like i don't know if they ever really used it again i'm, I'm gonna have to google that because he is the state hero of connecticut but i'm curious who the other state heroes of what states are like because i typed in state hero on google and literally nathan hale was the first thing to come up <laughs> so i'm like maybe that was just a one-time thing so do you know if there's if that was ever really used again or was that just kind of a special designation you know, I'm, I'm really not sure on that. That's a that's a great question. I know his his wife uh, lived uh, lived on into into um, old age. I mean, she lived to be I think ninety something. Wow. And um, you know, he he wasn't immediately set up as uh, you know the the martyr of uh, um, the American cause. Um, the big hero status that that came kind of a little later on, and that whole thing with um, uh, Robert Rogers being uh, the guy that found him out—that um, was um, there was some additional uh, intel that was found years later. I mean, just recently, within the past I don't know, 15 years or so, that uh, um, through other sources from Connecticut that uh, kind of verified that whole thing because a lot of uh, it came from the Library of Congress, um, I think. Yeah, it's in the Library of Congress now, I think. And m most of what we know about Nathan Hill came from, um, you know, spe speculation and other sources like military, British military officers who wrote in journals and that kind of stuff. And there was a, uh, a transcript that was recently found by a, um, a loyalist, um, I think he was an innkeeper or something from Connecticut that um, kind of verified all of that uh, kind of thing, or um, second uh, second reference, anyhow, um, to kind of add validation to that whole Nathan Hale story. But uh, yeah, there's, there's uh, no doubt I, I, whether he was whether there was other state heroes. I'm I'm not sure. I guess that's something we're gonna have to uh, worth a Google. We got some time. Into. Now I do have a theory about Nathan. I don't. I don't think he actually died. I don't think he actually died on the gallows. I think he was recruited by the Foundation for Law and Government to <laughs> to work with uh, the Knight Foundation, and they had a crazy artificially intelligent vehicle, and he became the Knight Rider. <laughs> and uh, he was in a shadowy flight into a dangerous world of a man who technically does not exist. He had a talking horse, actually, instead of a talking car. Still named Kit. Still named Kit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, we're 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 now writing. 
We're not writing Bizarro World now, screenplays. When, when that horse lifted its tail, did the machine gun come out of its butt? <laughs> Does it have the scanner up front? <laughs> That's or the James Bond when you're laying down the, uh, the, the oil slick. I mean, I can see the horse laying down a different kind of a slick. Yeah. <laughs> All right, kid, engage the piss slick. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're just a regular horse shit slick. Oh, my God. Uh, Hasselhoff as hail would be interesting, too. But oh, my Oh my God. We're getting into some weird territory here. But, uh, dude, I'll say this, man. We're going to let you enjoy the rest of your day uh, down in South Florida as well. Uh, I miss you, dude. Kahuna misses you. All right. Um, and once we uh, get you back up here, hopefully mid-May sometime, we're going to uh, start kicking ass and getting back on and, and really rewarding the people who are fans of the show. Um, and uh, that being said, guys, if you are a fan of the show, do me a favor. And if you want to leave us a review, we like that stuff. Uh, we, the Patreon will be launched fully here. It is available right now. You can find us on Patreon. I have to learn how to use it, which uh, I will be working on diligently. And uh, we're going to keep moving this thing forward. So... Uh, a return to normalcy and a return to loserdom will come. But, Dad, thank you for your time today. I love you, dude. I love you. Take care, guys. Whatever, nerd. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. I'll talk to you soon. All right. And, guys, uh, as you can tell, that is uh, the end of the episode here. We had a good time. I hope you enjoyed the bonus content. Uh, I think Kahuna said that well, it's going to be okay. We're going to split that over two episodes. Yeah. So we'll have uh, the, the first one will end on just whatever our final note was there. And then uh, immediately, hopefully, if you are subscribed to the show, then immediately the phone call one will start up next. And that's where we get to talk to uh, my father, LP, as you just heard. As soon as we get that man back up here, we're going to have him back at an undisclosed location down the Jersey Shore. And uh, I'll probably be back in here in a week or so to try to put out another solo effort just until he gets home. But that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. We really appreciate you. Uh, and my name is KP Burke. And you had the big kahuna behind the ones and twos over here. And as always, this was American Loser. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born.